This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Stephanie Packett who is a professional dancer and also performer. So Steph, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. Hi everyone. So I heard a rumour that you spend a lot of time on cruise liners. That was either how you started or how you're spending your time now. So we're really curious to know what is it like working on a cruise ship? Um, so yeah, I actually began my career um, straight off with Royal Caribbean working on cruise lines and I've done six uh, different ships since then. Um, it's really helped me grow as a performer in my professional career because nowadays, in more recent years, the cruise lines have really incorporated new shows or bigger shows to their ships, uh, including Broadway shows. So when the casting directors are looking for talent for these ships, they're really looking at uh, Broadway talent, the same kind of talent that you would find on Broadway. So it's so important to have a high level of performance on these ships. So it's really pushed me and helped me grow as a performer um, to be at that level. So what is it? like in terms of like the living in terms of the lifestyle that you're expected to engage with like the people that are on the ship it is always a bit more transactional than that where you go on you perform and then you're off and then that's kind of it so as a performer, we're actually very lucky because we can get off and visit um, the cities that we go to, which are beautiful places. And so we do that during the day and at night, that's when we perform. And depending on the ship or the contract, sometimes you'll perform six shows a week. Sometimes you'll perform two shows a week. So um, it really depends on where the ship is in the world. Uh, we also get to meet tons of people. Obviously the guests are from all over the world so we get to interact with a lot of uh, a lot of them. You know we go to dinners, we're out and about so we get to chat with uh, with people. So it's a really great opportunity to really be um, getting to know different cultures and visiting new places and also all that while performing. I actually spent a portion of my life in the Canary Islands, so kind of tourist areas. And I would actually say that the variety in the people that you meet does a lot for your, I guess, faith in in people or oh, your yeah. appreciation for them as well. It's you learn like so much. You do learn so much. Mm -hmm. What has been the biggest thing that you've actually learned with the variety of people that you would talk to? I think, you know, it's funny because the biggest thing I've learned through meeting other people and understanding their cultures is learning how to love my own culture. Because when you live, it, you know, when, when, when I live in Canada, I, I don't necessarily visit all the places that the tourists come to Canada to visit. And then, I think the first time that I took the plane after eight months on board and I saw the trees when I, w I was coming back from Europe and I said, oh my goodness, like I never realized how, how <laughs> good it was, you know? So that, I think that was my biggest realization. But aside from that, uh, we get to, you know, there's a lot of Indian crew and Latin crew on board the cruise ships. So we, we would go to their Independence Day parties and things like that. So we got to taste the food from there because they would cook for their parties. We got to see shows, you know, that they would 
put on a, a dance show for their Independence Day party. So I really got to learn so much without really having been to India or having been to the Philippines or having been to all these Latin countries. So it, it's been, uh, it's made me rich in terms of cultural knowledge. So would they actually change the menu based on the culture of the people on the ship? Is that how they do it? Um, they have um, in the in the crew mess. They have a menu that like really works for everybody. So there's a lot of Filipino crew. So they'll have you know typical Filipino meals. Same for the Indian um, meals. Um, but there's also you know the typical American and English um, meals that you can think of. So yes, they they do adjust to the crew. But um, if we're speaking about like specific theme days, then those crew members would cook. So that's how the menu would kind of turn towards um, their culture. That would make sense, actually, because I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to cook anything that was Indian. And I guess in a way, it makes me think, actually, that you wouldn't want to ruin it or spoil it by attempting it. So it's like, if no, you don't exactly. know it, you've got a local coming in and it's like you've really made a right mess of your attempt at a curry probably not a good idea to, <laughs> right. to do that if, it, if, if, they're, if it's their local cuisine I guess mm -hmm. so it's it's very, very nice because you get to taste it from the locals as well so <laughs> yeah makes sense what's been some of the craziest things that you've experienced while on the cruise ships are you able to share any um the craziest things you know I've been pretty lucky but I would say that definitely when COVID hit is definitely one of the craziest things because I was actually on board when COVID happened and we suddenly had no more guests coming on board and we didn't know how severe COVID was at first. So it turned into a big party, honestly, because some of the crew on there works 14 hours a day. And, you know, as performers, we, we are very lucky in that sense that we only perform at night, but it's not the case for everyone. So it turned into a big party until we finally realized, okay, this is serious. So then we ended up being quarantined in our rooms and I was stuck on the ship for 30 days before I was able to go home. And 30 days was a short period of time because some people got stuck there for way longer. So that was definitely crazy. But other than that, I've not experienced, you know, very, very rough seas or anything like that. I have experienced rough seas, but nothing that would be worth, you know, making a big situation out of. <laughs> is there anything that people get wrong about being on cruises because a lot of people they focus on things like the travel the places the amazing things that you'll get to see and do and some some people are obsessed with travel so cruise ships is kind of their utopian destination it's like i'm on a cruise ship i travel 24 7 it must be amazing is there anything that people don't think about is there anything that you wish people knew about working on a ship um, well, working on a ship comes with duties as well. Like, um, for example, as, as performers, depending on the cruise line, we are responsible for filling the lifeboats if there was an emergency. So that's definitely a duty that people don't really um, think about. And I think also relating to the performer side, um, sometimes performing on a cruise ship is not always thought of the same way as performing on land, but actually 
the casting directors and the team that the teams that are working on these shows are sometimes the same as the ones that are found on land and on Broadway and on the tours. Um, when I was on the Norwegian Bliss, the second show that was there was Jersey Boys, and the team creating the Broadway show for Jersey Jersey Boys was actually the same team that was on board putting the show together for our cast. So um, I think that's also something that people tend to forget um, in terms of cruising on there well there's there's always the curfew you know if you you don't want to miss the ship before it leaves so that's something to keep in mind <laughs> but um other than being on a tight time frame when you visit places um it's definitely a very nice life i would say <laughs> i have no complaints i wonder if there's anything that changes in things like routines being on a ship versus on land, like your actual dances, your performances. I mean, I imagine if you're doing a performance during strong winds or whatever, things might get a bit tricky in terms of orientating yourself and not slipping and all those things. Am I right in saying that or do you not really feel it all that much? Oh, totally, totally. Um, when we have rough seas, it depends on the person. Personally, having been at sea for six years, when I dance, that's actually when I don't feel it rocking too much, unless I have to do a jump or a turn or something very, very technical. Because if you're required to balance and the ship is moving side to side, um, then that's another challenge, you know? You, you, you have to really click into that technique that you've mastered. Um, if you're jumping, there's a chance that the floor is lower when you decide to land. There's also a chance that it's <laughs> higher. So um, it's always, always being aware of, of your, your, your spatial awareness really that being at its really peak hard. all the time. That <laughs> yeah. horrible. Imagine jumping doing, let's say, a backflip. I'm talking very loosely now. Mm -hmm. Do a backflip and then the floor's higher than when you left. I mean, yes, catastrophic it could be, surely. Oh, yeah. It's it's very hard on the knees. And I, I have a couple friends. Luckily, I've never been injured for any reason like that. But it's happened. And, you know, we also have procedures that we don't have on land. Because theaters are a highly risky environment in general with everything that moves and the lighting and everything. And when the stage moves as well, for example, I also do aerial arts. Well, we have protocols where if the ship is moving a certain degree, then we will not perform aerial arts for the safety of the performers because we are suspended in the air and then we'll just end up being a pendulum. So, I imagine that being quite a surreal feeling as well it's that you start off all fine and all of a sudden you're this suspended spinning top and you've got no way of slowing down mm -hmm. and it's it's something we learn to adapt to also because it could happen mid-show we've done shows where it's so nice and stable and then mid-show the wind picks up and then suddenly gets really rocky so we start making adjust adjustments and as the aerial captain for example in the middle of a show I would say okay well then we'll modify this and this to make sure that everybody is safe so do you have any weird and wonderful conditioning routines to work out if it's hard on your knees you'll likely have to do something to maintain your knees and maintain your, your fitness and all of those things what's your workout like and did that change from land performance to ship performance um 
To me, learning about my body is so important. It goes hand in hand with, you know, learning my technique because injury prevention is so important, especially when you work in those environments. And so I've learned a lot about the techniques that are used in physiotherapy, about targeting certain muscles um, to really learn how they are or what implication they have in a certain certain movement and then that helps me to really um, stay balanced when the ship is rocky and all that stuff. So I've started implementing those physiotherapy exercises that I, I found mostly online or through physiotherapist um, to my workout routine um, and obviously um, being a performer and performing every night, I need to work on the cardio and all that stuff. So um, going to the gym is definitely part of the daily routine when you work on a cruise ship, but I think that goes for on land as well. But I think the, the main thing is really strengthening my, my ankles and doing all those tiny exercises that actually would have a big implication in the efficiency of my, my performance um, on board. It's interesting that you brought up cardio when you're performing every night as well. My assumption would be that the performance would be the workout in a way. Or do you spend a lot of time doing extra things so that the dancing or the performing isn't necessarily a workout? Like, is that how you would describe it? I think that's the best way, yes. Because, you know, if, if you keep the show for your workout... By the end of the 45 minutes, you'll most likely be exhausted. So the goal, because we also have a second show after that, most of the times it's two shows a night. So if you're exhausted by the end of the 45 minutes, then um, there's no way that the second show will be as good. And for me, as a perfectionist, I really hope for boat shows to be just as good. So um, I do try and run and, and develop my endurance in different ways also so not only just running for example because dance um, uses different types of movements jumps and and things like that and like maybe slow and controlled movement but it, it requires some type of endurance as well so I'll do like minutes of non-stop sit-ups followed by a run of 10 minutes followed by push-ups for five minutes uh, so to work different parts of the body um, and so that my body can learn how to keep up that endurance and not be exhausted after a 45 minute show i'd be curious about your journey i guess into performing so did you start off doing a particular art let's say and you made this gradual progression adding things in adding strings to your bow so to speak what was your journey like in terms of what art form you learned next can't think of a better word than that and mm -hmm. then how did you kind of grow and progress from there? So I started as a dancer. Well, first off, I did gymnastics when I was a child and then decided that I wanted to go towards dance. So starting off as a gymnast, I had the power and the discipline that some of the other kids didn't have. So that kind of always stayed with me. And um, so I developed later on, once I booked my first job, um, a love for aerial arts because it kind of combines gymnastics and dance together while you're in the air. So I started training aerial arts and then 
nowadays the shows incorporate singer dancers a lot so dancers are asked to sing all the time and I always sang but I always told my mama ah, no I don't want to take singing classes you know I have enough of dance and now I regret it <laughs> but I've started getting into singing lessons uh, since like two years ago so now I, I'm proud to say I've worked as a singer on a cruise ship as well um, so I've incorporated that. Um, acting is a big thing as well, which I've started as well, um, because on Broadway, for example, you're never just a dancer, you're a singer and an actor as well. Uh, it kind of all fits together. And I strongly believe that cross training and different disciplines like this can really benefit um, a, a professional dancer and turn them into a performer to have this high level of artistry, fitness, flexibility, creativity. I've even gotten into contortion training to help my flexibility. So um, really incorporating different disciplines is definitely the key to professional performance, I think. What makes you transition in that way? I mean, is it just curiosity is it something that you're told to do how do you think about something like that for me it's curiosity and always wanting to be better than what I am now I think that as a performer I never stop growing I I always want to be better and um, I've actually gone to auditions and applied what I've just learned in, in a class, for example, and then ended up booking the job because I did a backflip that I learned last week. So it's really paid off every time I've learned something. I think that's also what pushes me to keep going is every time I learn something new, I can apply it and I become a better performer and I get jobs out of it so it's it's really pushed me in that way that sounds like something that you've got the chance to do like it seems like you're in the environment where being curious is something that you can do like you can add things in you can change things you can be curious you can find out how to sing as part of being curious and moving forwards some people have a hard time with that whether it's their choices or lifestyle or any of those things if someone wanted to be led by their curiosity how could someone do that how could someone say to themselves i want to be more curious i want to explore a lot more different things how can someone do that i think being open to what people are doing around you really helps um on cruise ships um, performers are very versatile because there's only a certain amount of performers that can be in the cast. Often it's going to be um, 12 people total. So you have, you know, people that are trained mainly in singing, others that are trained in acting, others is mainly dancing. So we often do an exchange like this. And I think in any discipline that you want to learn, I think, you know, using the people that are around you first and discovering what they're doing um, is definitely the first step. And then from there, you can decide if you go and take uh, classes with teachers that are more like masters at teaching this art. But uh, for singing, for me, for example, I've actually started by learning 
with my colleagues. And then over the pandemic, one of the singers that was on board with me started teaching singing classes online. So I said, hey, I'm going to teach you dance and you're going to teach me singing. And we did an exchange like this throughout the whole pandemic. And that and then following that that amount of um, of time with him I booked my first singer contract on the cruise ship so again like it paid off so really like you know exchanging with people and and seeing if they teach and then going from there is is the way to do it I think it also sounds like you're learning the skills of the overarching theme if you will so let's say it's performing right I want to be better at this I may have to learn how to build my flexibility or I may have to learn how to sing and I might have vocal coaches or things like that but you're adding to the overarching thing of being a performer so it's almost like if you want to get better at something you might have to learn something small getting back to what you said about the exercises for your ankles or your mobility or particular areas it's fascinating to me how the little tiny things that you're doing are impacting the bigger picture what do you say to that I think um, also it's me being such a perfectionist and never wanting to stop. If I see <laughs> that a job is requiring something and I have my eye on a job, there's nothing to stop me. Um, in Las Vegas, there's this show that I was trying to, to get on. And now, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it closed. But they had swimming and scuba diving as part of the show. So the whole backstage area was actually underwater. And um, I, I've actually gone through the audition process. So, so, But being Canadian, I wasn't able to be on the show. Anyway, to make a story short, I wanted to train my swimming skills and scuba diving skills to be able to potentially re-audition for the show on a later date. So I did take a scuba diving class, I went swimming, so there's really nothing to stop me. Um, but I think it's part of being curious as well, you know, it's, it's looking what's out there, what is needed and not stopping there. I'm not saying, oh, I can't swim, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not a professional swimmer, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to move on to something else. I challenge myself to do it. Both ways are, are interesting, you know, you could decide to be a dancer and be very, very specific and technical and be an expert just in that, but I like to describe myself as an all-round performer, so I chose not to limit myself to one specific discipline. What's your relationship like with challenge and difficulty or pain, let's say, because you might have to go through some pain if you're doing the contortionist stuff it's gonna hurt it could get quite painful and then you still do it and you see it as a challenge and maybe you even see it as a game or some kind of experiment to see if you can do it how do you think about challenge and adversity and pain in a way because you you seem to not let it let it stop you you don't convince yourself that it's going to be too hard that you should stop how do you think about it um, I think, honestly, I'm considering myself as a, as an athlete, the same way athletes, I, I always go back to, you know, professional athletes to train to go to the Olympics, they will train nonstop, they'll go through pain, they'll, so if I want to get to that level in my career in dance, even, even though there's no Olympics in dance, well, I want to train the same way 
as the Olympians do. Um, so that's kind of my mindset. Now, when I try new things, I haven't really put myself in a situation where I've never tried this discipline before at all. Like singing, okay, I always grew up singing like in, at home with my mom playing the piano. So I knew I could, you know, start learning. So I always had, or I started as a gymnast, so I, I knew I had the strength and I, I knew a little bit of the techniques um, behind contortion and handstand classes and all that stuff. Um, so that's one thing that maybe I should do is put myself in a situation where I've actually have had no knowledge of it before. Um, but I think really challenging myself is what motivates me. If I'm not challenged, I do not push. I, I, I always need a challenge and I need an idea of where I want to go and a goal and I will attain that goal. I, I do not let anything stop me. So I think this is the mindset that I need. And especially in this industry, there's so much going on. There's so many dancers out there, but the ones who make it are the ones who keep pushing. And that's what I'm trying to do. So what would you do if you pushed yourself to do something that you had no prior knowledge or history or even like a, a skill that you have that carries over to the thing that you want to do? blank slate you're starting from scratch what would be the challenge for you um i tend to really use what i know so for example actually i've showed up to an audition where there was fighting required like stage fighting and i've never done any martial arts or anything like that but i've done dance and gymnastics i know about movement so i rely on that to kind of um push me um if it was something completely new then i will rely on my curiosity i'll give it my 100 percent attention i will pick up the details that the the teacher will say or, or, or the casting director and uh, i will try and apply it to the best of my ability um i think this the the biggest thing is the curiosity here. Yeah, I, I'd probably say that that would be how you would do it. If you had no prior experience in any type of it, there is a sense of exploring and discovering it and figuring out as, as you go along. You do seem like the kind of person that would, would do that. If you didn't have anything to lean on, then you would simply take one step at a time and you would figure it out as you go. Is that something you've got a lot of experience in? This kind of, it's figure outable. So I'll find a way. In my mind, is if somebody has done it before, I can do it. You know, it's a lot of things is about learning from people and. You know, if you put your mind to it, you could really learn just like they learned before. So that's really the mindset that I have when it comes to new things and, and figuring out. Um, not limiting yourself, I think, is the key. What would you tell someone that was struggling with doing something new? You do a lot of new things, a lot of things that you struggled with, the things that you've had to figure out as you go along there could be a lot of people listening that are in a similar situation 
So maybe they're having to change their career or they're having to go back to education and they're trying this shifting life. They're trying to do something new. How can you help those people? What can you say to them? What would be the advice that you wish you had? The best advice I can give is take that first step. Honestly, you don't know until you tried it. And once you try it and you put your mind to it for, let's say, a week, you say, I'm going to do this 100% for a week and see how it goes, you might actually discover a passion that you didn't know you had. Or um, to give an example, I started getting into marketing during the pandemic because I started teaching and then I found sort of a passion for marketing as it's so interesting how how people are articulating their advertisements and things like that so this is something that was completely new for me because I, I had never touched at any of that um, and then you know I started learning about it and taking some workshops online because on Facebook there's so many coaches online coaches now if you're looking at something new and you're not really sure what it's about find one of those free workshops online and and give it a try see what it's how it feels and uh, go in it 100% for a period of time give yourself a, sh a small goal and a larger goal and then uh, i think that's the best way to start i've heard that you're a big notebook person like you you love making notes is that right yes i actually use notes quite often um, when I take classes, throughout my training, uh, when I go to auditions, uh, if I meet people, um, I take tons of notes all the time. I think it's super beneficial to um, what I do. Do you have any particular way? Like I'm happy to sort of dig in a little bit to learn about how, how you do it. So what's your note taking strategy like? So um, at the beginning of my career, I had a conversation with someone who told me, you know, Stephanie, you're really successful in school. And if you treat your dance career the same way you treat school, I don't see why you wouldn't have the same outcome because I, I ended up having a full scholarship. And, and I said, okay, maybe, maybe that's right. Like, let me try that. So I went on with that. And since that day, I've had a notebook. So every time I take class, I'll take notes about corrections, about tips that the teachers give me. And the same way that I would do for an exam at school, I go and review those notes before an audition being my exam. And I apply these notes. And there's something about um, having it fresh in my mind um, about all these tips and corrections that that I've been given before that really motivates me to do this audition I say okay I can do it I have the knowledge I have the technique let's do this and most of the times I've booked my jobs because I reviewed my notes I mean it can be just a way of me thinking about it but it's really helped me and it pushes me um, to get better again. So I really believe that taking notes is part of my journey. <laughs> is timing important? Like, have you ever had moments when you've delayed it maybe and then you've forgotten about what you were going to write down and then you've kind of beat yourself up maybe for, for skipping that, that note-taking time? 
Oh, yes, definitely. Like at the moment, I'm in New York City. I'm taking a lot of classes, um, about like 10 to 12 classes a week. So I don't always take the time in between classes to write down what I learned and then I push it off and, and don't write it. And then I get to an audition one day and I realize that, oh, they want some salsa technique. Oh, I took a class about that a month ago, but I have no notes about it. And for me, since I am such a versatile performer, it's hard to train in a lot of styles and retain all the information and on top of my singing, on top of my acting classes. So if I don't take the notes and the technique is not engraved in me, um, then I will regret it when they ask me in the audition to execute it. Um, this is my, my choice is to be versatile. If I was an expert, it maybe wouldn't be the same. Um, I'm an expert in terms of performing because this is what I do, but um, notes really help me um, maintain the technique the whole, the, the whole time. So is it just a case that you take bullet points? Do you have a, a particular system that you, you like to follow? Um, I think bullet points, yes. Um, definitely I write down stuff about technique or tips about um, performance or how to like show the emotion, um, you know, things that most of the times it's things that the masters of the technique will say that when you think about it, you're like, oh, I could have thought of that. But there's so much of the so many things that I have to think of when I'm performing a, a choreography whether it's performance, you know, being making sure that I'm executing the technique properly and and showing the emotion. So, you know, having the note there really helps to like concentrate on other things. Let's say you do something and you've got a lot of things that you could write about. Do you write about specific things? Do you write about the things that maybe you struggled with the most or do you write all of it down? Uh, the things that are more foreign to me, so the things that I struggled with definitely, um, the main technique, because there's always um, like a correct way and then there's like the performing elements around. So I always write, okay, if we're doing ballet, we need to turn out our feet. This is very basic, but it's just to give you an example. Um, the basic technique is you always have to work with the turned out um, leg. So this is something, for example, if I was taking my first ballet class, I would write that. So I would make sure that if I'm in an audition and it's a style that it's less uh, that I'm less familiar with, then I would make sure to apply this specific technique that I wrote down. So really, um, the things that people will be looking for in an audition is what I will write down. Do you have any particular tricks aside from that that has helped you learn multiple things around the same time? You've not been doing this a huge amount of time and yet you've been able to learn so many different things, retain so much information, try and be disciplined with it. There'll be people that maybe struggle to do two of the things that you've been able to do five, six, or maybe even more as you're taking classes as well as we're having this chat now. How do you look for learning things how do you look for the things to learn how do you retain the information how does your mind work this way um 
Lately, my biggest way of finding what to train has been social media. And I'm not talking about the trending TikTok dances and all of that, but um, there's always in different eras of history, there'll always be like trending styles of dance and trending movement. So I look for that on social media. I look for different physiotherapy exercises like we talked about earlier. And so in that sense, it helps me learn what I have to go and train more. Um, lately, cruise lines always ask for the dancers to sing. When I started six years ago, it wasn't the case. So by being on social media and scrolling through the auditions, I see that most dancers are asked to sing, so then I go and train singing. So that's kind of how I find what is important to train at the moment and then uh, finding the best teachers in those specific disciplines is also possible to find on social media. So is that how you stay ahead? So you would scroll, let's say, Instagram, and you find that they want to sing, a lot of the performers are singing, dancing, twirling, all those kinds of things I know nothing about. Do you realize that you're actually ahead of what they're asking for? So you have the gap time, so to speak, to practice it, to learn it, to find the classes before you're then being asked to do it. So you've had the time to get better at it before the auditions. Or is it a case where you would check social media, realize what they're looking for. You go to your next audition and go, ah, they've asked me to do that and I've not had the time to practice it. Well, you know, I would say because we never know when the auditions come or when the auditions are going to be held, um, it's very hard to know like the time frame where you should practice. But just seeing it, like with the level I'm at now, just seeing, let's say, okay, a certain type of leg extension is very popular at the moment. Well, you know, just seeing it and of course practicing it once or twice. Even if I don't master it, at least I've put put it in my body and I've thought about it. And then most likely if it doesn't work on the first try, I'll be like, okay, well, next time I try it, if it's in an audition or a class or, you know, my own practice time, I'll try this and this activation in the muscles and things like that. So at least I've had a reflection about it. Um, the other thing that it helps me with um, seeing things on social media is knowing what my style is because I also post a lot on uh, social media. I actually have a quite of a following on TikTok and I only post my own creation. So I need to develop my own style and it helps me position myself in the industry, um, knowing where I fit best or with, with, which choreographer I fit best with my own style. So um, social media is actually really helpful for that. So how do you think about creating your own routines? Do you have to dedicate time to it? Do you let it flow and go, damn it, I wish I had the camera set up because that was fantastic and I've got to try and recreate this thing now and I just 
gone with the flow and now it'll feel rigid because I have to try and repeat it again. How do you think about being creative, creating your own routines? And I guess, as you mentioned there, it's about self-expression and trying to find yourself at the same time. Mm -hmm. I listen to music like a musician. So there's always different layers of of melody and and you know the bass and the background sounds in in the music so i really take time to listen to the layers once i've done that i most likely will play let's say a segment of 15 seconds of a song on repeat and then i just you know i, I let it kind of get into my body and i i hear different things every time i try different movements so i actually don't really um improv or set a camera there to kind of catch the moment so i can revisit it and say oh that was that felt really good or i will try and find that feeling again and and of course there's moments where i'm like oh i just did that but since it's just a 15 second um loop that i'm playing it's kind of easy to get back to it and then include it in my choreography. So um, some choreographers have different ways of choreographing. They'll just play the whole song and then improv and do it just the way you suggested. Um, but in my case, it's a little bit of a different creative process. Once I've done these 15 seconds, then I'm, I add a, a five second, I delay the music for five seconds and then I run this loop. So I'll do the choreography I've done and then try and add on a little bit and see what feels good there. That's kind of my technique to go at it. It always makes me chuckle when I see on things like TikTok where they go, random session today i'm just gonna post it and I go no you set up the camera it's not random with the camera there so I, I think there's there's quite a lot of misconceptions about content creation and being creative and a lot of it is repeated a lot of it is it needs to be right and they're repeating things in some okay. cases a lot of times and they always post the best one <laughs> I understand that because at the end of the day, you want to get better. You want to make sure that it's the best version of the content that you want to create, especially in, in your line of work. There's an element of, you know, it's kind of like showcasing your abilities in a way. You've got to put yourself out there. You're not going to put a fall out there because you don't really want to show people the mistakes all the time maybe you will every now and again to prove that you're human i guess but i think there's certain things whereby you've got to actually show the first time you do it and let people know that it's the first time that you've done it and it's not going to be great it's not going to be polished but if you do it and think it's not quite right you can always repost one of the later ones that you did after you repeated it a few times and said look this is now the 10th time have you noticed the improvements have you noticed this that and the other thing that feels more realistic for people because then it causes less perfectionism less comparison if you're judging your first time by their 100th attempt at the thing it can be so hard for people to navigate if people aren't being more i guess authentic is the wrong word i think it's just more honest than anything people need to be a bit more honest i totally agree with posting the first time you're doing something because also 
people can follow the progression, you know? In, in my case, I don't have many videos when I started dancing because this is my job now. So I, I try and post uh, the best content, of course, because people go on my social media to see my resume, basically. Um, but when I started singing, I did post videos of me singing for the first time, like more to an audience, you know, um, because I wasn't doing that when I first started dancing professionally. So I did post that. And then now you look at my last contract and the, the more recent post and you have singing in a professional setting so you can see the evolution and i think that's a very important thing to show as well because you're showing that you are still working on your performance that you are growing that you are not limiting yourself so i think um you know posting right from the get-go when you're starting something is definitely something i would encourage how do you actually create the content do you repeat things over and over again do you talk yourself through it do you record and then go oh well maybe i could change this and and record it again do you ever do anything like that where you think it's not quite right i need to record it again i am definitely one of those dancers that records over and over again because i am such a perfectionist and i'll watch the video and say oh no the whole thing was good, but the last move could have been lower. So let's do it again. And it happens all the time, I repeat. And then I'll start dancing, you know, in front of the camera and realize, oh, you know what? This move is kind of out of the frame. So I need to change that so that I don't have to move the camera because most of the time when I'm filming, it's only my camera on a tripod. I don't have a a person to help me so it needs to fit in the frame and yeah repetition and watching myself but I also grow from that and I learn because when I'm dancing in front of a mirror I can see the corrections that need to be made um, on my technique and things like that but it's like it's not as concrete as when it's on video because when it's on video I have a different perspective you know it's not like just the, a mirror in front of me sometimes I put the camera at an angle um, so I can see different ways so it's really like kind of stepping out of my body and and seeing myself um, so I can be my own teacher in that way so it's been really beneficial for me to post on social media mostly because i'm learning about myself so much about how i'm performing about what i'm doing with my hands when i'm dancing and it's something i never noticed before but now i am so picky with how i move my hands when i'm dancing <laughs> and it's just yeah it's just made me grow it's like i'm my own student again talk us through that out-of-body experience because unless you've done anything in front of a mirror you can't really explain what it's like to watch yourself do it and have the self-talk while you're performing it in front of a mirror because you can see everything when it's in front of a mirror talk us through that kind of experience uh when you're dancing in front of a mirror you know i'm trying to get away from relying on the mirror because then your head becomes still because your eyes are looking at the mirror and you're not moving your head freely so i'm trying to stay away from um looking in the mirror but it is engraved in me my whole life i was looking in the mirror every time i was training so it's been 
a learning process. Another thing I'm learning. I'm just learning this whole journey. So it's it's, yeah. it's amazing. But um, yeah, I'll I'll just also compare myself to the others around me when I'm in class, especially. Um, what's nice about New York City is you have dancers of all levels that show up to class. Some that are already working on Broadway, some that are you know on cruise lines, and some that are just out of school. Um, and everybody has everyone's most likely a professional in their own way and they all have their specific skills they are good at so you can compare yourself in the mirror and see oh she's much lower than me and that looks great so let me do that so it's more like this that we use the mirror as a tool um, to kind of compare and really explore how your body can work um, and, and see how it looks from the front but um, without an an outside perspective that you have on the video. I'd be really curious to hear what's next for you. You've gone on quite a growth journey physically, mentally. A lot has happened over the past six years. What's next? What's on the horizon for you? At the moment, I've just been working on some commercials. Um, I've signed with an agency to do a bit more film and TV. Um, so I'm really orientating myself to new opportunities on land this time um, to see what's out there because, you know, film and TV is such a different world than the stage world. So um, I've been lucky to been to have been chosen as the lead dancer for a national US commercial. So this was a, a fresh new experience for me to work under the direction of a, of a director and, and close to the camera and seeing the different takes that we were doing. Um, so it's been, again, a learning process and um, I'm so excited for what it's going to bring and the new opportunities it's going to bring. What would you say were some of the biggest lessons that you've you've learned along the way? So these could be things that you may give someone at the start of their journey if they want to be dancers and performers. What would you tell someone that was following in your footsteps? Um, if I had to tell my younger self, one thing would be to always stay curious and don't limit yourself. Um, if there's an audition that you think is not quite the right fit in terms of skills, um, challenge yourself and do it. I recently showed up to um, a tap dance audition and tap dance is not one of my expert um, techniques that I've studied. I've studied it, but not in depth. So I said, okay, I'm gonna see what it's like. And I ended up booking the job. Um, it's just, do you never know what is what is waiting for you? Um, you're, don't limit yourself and really go for it, I would say. Well, I, I really hope that you continue to do what it is that you're doing. And if people wanted to find out more about you, Maybe they want to enter your world, find you on social media, websites, that kind of thing. How can people learn more about you? Definitely. Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at Stephanie Paquette. That's Stephanie, P-H-A-N-I-E-E-P-A-Q-U-E-T. And uh, my website is stephaniepaquette.net.
thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Stephanie, thanks so much for being a guest on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and that gets the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.